0: Good morning, Trinity. Good morning. Um, it's, it's been a good service this morning. I think the spirit of the living God has been moving in our midst, and I was um, especially touched by Anthony's um, testimony. I, I like the word that he used um, at the end. If he did not come up and you know, give his testimony, then it would not be a testimony that the living God is here. And it just, it just ties in with the, the series that we've been you know, going through with Elijah and, and Elisha, the living God. And so we're going to be um, speaking about the living God. This is the final topic we're doing today. I know, very sad, but then we've, we've gained a lot from it. Um, we should be um, thankful that this Today, we're going to be talking about the living God who delivers. Amen? Amen. So, we're going to turn it in our Bibles, if you have your Bibles, or it should be coming up soon on this screen. Let's turn to 2 Kings 13, reading from verses 14 to 23. Now, when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Josh, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Afrik until you have made an end of them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck three times. Then he stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you'd have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elisha died. And they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen and a man was thrown into the grave of Elijah. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Now, Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoaz. But the Lord, this is key. The Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them. And he turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, nor has he cast them from his presence, even until now. You know, in the scripture, we have a king who wanted something. He wanted to win, and he wanted it desperately. He had a need to win against the Syrians, who was constantly defeating Israel in battle. And in those days, the strength and authority of a king was based or determined on their capacity to win, and to win big. Today, we see, we see how an embattled king went about securing limited victory for his people. Most people believe he had foreknowledge of how many times he was supposed to strike the ground based on Elijah's angry reaction that she should have struck the ground five or six times. But because he was living a half-hearted life, he failed to be obedient to God's full instruction in this instance when it really mattered the most. This half-heartedness was not something that was unique to this king of Israel. If you study the history of the kings of Israel, you will find over and over again they were unfaithful to God. They were constantly following other gods. And this story today is just one of those instances We're showing where we're shown another of a string of failures of the kings of Israel. This king was half-hearted in his attempt to carry out God's instruction, which proved to be a major turning point in his reign. Maybe you're here wondering, so what? What's that got to do with me? What's that got to do with us today? Have you ever been half-hearted in your effort to do something, and then it turns out the thing that you were half-hearted about eventually turns out to be something, a major thing in your life? Anyone? You know, there were subjects in high school that I had no interest in, like mathematics, sorry. (laughs) You know, And I could not see the point in doing those subjects, so I reluctantly attend those classes. You know, I sort of regret doing that, because I think I limited myself in my career options. Strange that I'm in finance, and I didn't really like maths. Anyone else had the same experience? Is there any subjects in school you didn't? You kind of skive off. Yes? And another decision I made early on in my, in, in, I think, from high school, I, I was determined that, you know, I'm not going to go into like college or university. I'm just going to go straight into work. And then I look back in hindsight, and I think that was not, that was not a, such a good idea. Um, I was turned off by school because I thought I was being forced into doing things that would not help me in the future, honestly. But I allowed my misunderstanding to direct me. And this is not a go-to card or a way out for my kids or anyone else (laughs) not to study or pay attention to to all the subjects that you do in in school. Glad my children are watching. (laughs) I did eventually continue my education as an adult with qualifications in accounting and computer studies. Another thing I love singing, but sometimes I I wish if I could play an instrument, um, like the keyboard. I wish I could play the. When I see like Manuel and the other Jerry and all all the others playing the keyboard, I really admire them. You know, um, I had the chance as a teenager to learn the keyboard, but for some reason the tutor he turned up um, probably for two weeks. I don't know. It's because I was probably too slow to catch on to what he was. He was teaching me, then you know, he gave up eventually. So I thought, oh yeah, this probably keyboard thing is probably not for me. So I didn't pursue um, you know, learning the keyboard. And now I think I, you know, I should have put my more effort into learning the keyboard. So we can become half-hearted because of some decisions that that's on us. That we make. And then we can become half hearted in our efforts because of someone else. You know, I allowed the, the tutor's you know, decision to, to put me off um, learning the keyboard. But maybe you have your own story. Maybe you have your own story. Maybe for you it's the job that you're doing now. You turn up to work on a Monday morning reluctantly because you're stuck in a job that you have no passion for hmm I hear somebody says, mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you're just there to, just to keep your parents or your partner happy. Maybe you find it hard to get out of bed on a Sunday morning to get to church. But because it's your turn on the rotor, you have to be here. <laughs> you, you have to be here when you could have slept uh, a bit longer, especially when the clock goes forward by one hour. Yeah. Perhaps you're a school teacher, any school teacher? Yes. And you have a lesson plan and grades to mark, but you have to stay behind after school. Is it true? To plan for tomorrow. It's 6 o'clock, hear it. When all you want to do is just go home and relax, right? So your heart is in two places. But that is just a few examples. But the point is, we all have things that we get half hearted about in our lives. You know, in the passage we read earlier, we discovered that this half-heartedness is not just something unique to us. We have a king who was half-hearted about returning to the covenant that God had established with Israel. We now discover that he had to live with the consequence of his half-heartedness. Today, we will look more in depth at this scripture to glean some truth about the ways of the half-hearted. You know, Elisha was on his deathbed and was approached by the king of Israel, Josh. By this time, Israel had forgotten God. They had ignored the prophetic for almost 40 years. At this time, Israel was still being harassed by the Syrians, and they could not win a battle against them. Because God's judgment was against them. King Josh, as far as we learn, he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing to bring Israel back to the living God. He followed in the footsteps of his predecessor and followed other false gods. The only thing we have to his credit is that he respected the authority of Elijah the prophet. So he consulted with Elisha when it suits him. And if you and I are not careful, we could end up doing the same thing. We only come to God when we have tried our way and failed. instead of following God's way from the start. My desire is not to follow my way, but to follow God's way. I refuse to think that I know what is best for me, because that is what we are saying when we choose our way instead of God's way. So the king, he must have learned that Elisha was on his deathbed. And he thought, you know, it would be a good idea to ask for just one more favor. So this king came crying, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And you can tell from this statement where his heart was. I believe he was more concerned about winning for his kingdom than Elisha winning the battle with his sickness. Try to imagine this scene. You go to someone on their sickbed. He knew the man was on his sickbed. The man was dying. (laughs) You you bring no flowers. No, how are you? Are you taking your medication? Are you eating well? Nothing like that. I don't know. Maybe in those days that was acceptable for a king to behave like this. But this just highlights the difference between a human king and King Jesus who went about doing good. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And just was looking for moments to bring hope to a hopeless situation. And what this tells me is that sometimes we can be more concerned about our own welfare and be insensitive to the needs of those around us. And I believe if we are going to be a people who experienced the culture of heaven in full measure, we should see the immediate need around us. But what is extraordinary is how God used a sick man on his dying bed to, to bring some measure of deliverance to Israel. Back to the text, we find Elisha proceeded with giving the king instruction and he went straight to the business at hand. Elisha said, take a bow and arrow, and he took the bow and arrow. He said, draw the bow, and he drew it. At this point, Elisha laid his hands on the king, opened the window eastward, and he opened it. Shoot, and he shot. At this point, Elisha announced the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. Take the arrows, and he he took them. Strike the ground, and he struck three times and stopped. At this time, Elisha became angry with the king and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. And what you see is just steps after step, uh, giving instruction, instruction after instruction. And what this tells me is that you and I can sometimes follow God's instruction perfectly because you notice all along, he followed exactly what Elijah said. But... Elisha, sorry. But along the way, we need to be mindful that we don't get weary in well-doing. (laughs) And the instruction that was so important, he missed out on it. Our half-heartedness can reduce our ability to persevere. King Josh, he gave up too soon, and he lost out on securing lasting victory for his people. My prayer is that you will realize that the little that you're doing in your area of ministry is securing lasting victory in the kingdom of God. My prayer is that I will not devalue the little that I am doing to see the kingdom of God expand and people are completely delivered. You and I cannot be content for half victory, but the total and complete victory of the living God who delivers. Have you ever seen one of those video clips of these um, goalkeepers? celebrating before <laughs> conceding a goal. Some of you may have seen it on YouTube. There's a viral video on YouTube where they show multiple occasions where a few goalkeepers were caught celebrating prematurely. In those instances, the opposition shoot towards the goal, but the ball hit the goalpost, And then on the rebound, the ball slowly bounces into the goal, and the goalkeeper's back is like turned to the goal. And he's running away, he's celebrating. <laughs> he thought it was a saved goal. He took his eyes off the goal. These goalkeepers, they thought the job was done. Just like Josh, he thought the job was done. And so the, the, goal, the goalkeeper, they stopped defending the goal. They took their eyes off the goal and ended up being one down. They celebrated prematurely and we're looking looking at verse 19 it says then the man of God was angry with him and said you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it but now you will strike down Syria only three times maybe you're looking at this and thinking it's a bit unfair on King Josh." But based on Elisha's angry response, King Josh, he must have had previous knowledge on how many times he was supposed to strike the ground. But this is just the consequence of being half-hearted in our relationship with a true and living God. We fail to carry out God's full instruction. King Josh, and this is important, he had no relationship with God and did not realize that if he was going to follow God's wholeheartedly, he would have to depend on God to complete the task at hand. If you and I are in a true and genuine relationship with the living God, you get access to his supernatural knowledge, so you know what he's asking you to do. My desire is to be so full of the living God, who delivers, that I will Gain the ability to know when to put an end to the task at hand. Sometimes we carry on and carry on. And then sometimes we stop when we should carry on. And that's because we're missing. Something is missing. We're not connecting in the spirit. We're not connecting to what God is saying. So we're missing out. I'm sure this is your desire that as well. To be filled with the living God who delivers. I want to be so filled with the living God that I will not stop singing and worshiping until the entire nation come to join me in worship at the feet, at the foot of the living God. What could we put an end to if we kept on going? Perseverance is so important. Elisha said to King George, you could have put an end to the battle if you kept on going point is don't give up. When we come to God with our whole heart, it makes the journey easier. And there is also another viral video on YouTube of this seven-year-old who loses her shoes around three seconds into a 300-meter race. And then she decides to go back and get her shoes. While the other athletes, they ran ahead of her. But miraculously, she still ends up winning the race. You've seen it. It was a very good one. You know, she ended she end up overtaking the others and winning the race. She won, I think, because her whole heart was into her race. She put her whole heart into the race. She kept her eyes on the finish line. You know, most people, I, I probably would have just given up. There's no way I would have continued the race. I probably said, no, there's no way I'm going to win. Most people would have given up after losing their shoes. And I wonder, what has caused you to give up halfway? What have you lost along the way? My desire is to keep going, even when I lose things along the way. I'm sure this is what you want as well, to keep going in the face of difficulties. This little girl reminds me that sometimes in our Christian race, we start the race with Jesus. But somehow we run ahead of Jesus. We forget him along the way and we find it difficult to go back to Jesus. Because going back may feel like a disruption to our lives. But Jesus is saying to someone today, come back to me. You started the race with me. You may feel like you're going backward, but ultimately you will end up being the winner. So the story continues, and we learn that Elisha died, and they buried him. And this is the funny part. (laughs) There was an invasion in the land close to where Elisha was buried. At the same time, there was a funeral for a dead man going on, so they thought, let's just throw him into this random grave. (laughs) That random grave happened to be the grave of Elisha. I know it's a bit Puzzling that they threw him into the grave of Elisha to the point where his body, making contact with Elisha's bones, actually revived him. It must be strange, I'm thinking, for the dead man to come back from the dead and find himself surrounded by this, by this raiding band. He just came back to life, but I'm not sure who had to run for their lives. The raiding band or the man who just came back to life. I think he must have scared the living daylight out of that (laughs) raiding band. And what this tells me is that when you and I are faithful and we serve God wholeheartedly, that even in death, we can be used by God, just by Elisha. And I'm thinking myself, I want when when my time on earth is ended, that my legacy is still working. the kingdom of God. I want to be known as someone who served God wholeheartedly. I want when someone go onto YouTube and play back a message, even this message today, that I have preached or a song that I have sung, that they are revived and they are refreshed by it. And you know, it continues in verse 22. Now Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoash, or Joash, as he was known. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them, and He turned toward them because of His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, nor has He cast them from His presence until now. What we find here is that Israel refused to turn away from their sins and their idols. And so they were constantly oppressed by their enemy. But the Lord. But the Lord. Can you all say that? But the Lord. But the Lord. Lord Was still gracious to them. What this tells me is that even when we don't deserve it, even in our half-heartedness, the living God still Deliver us. You may be here today and thinking, oh probably I'm I'm being told off about my half heartedness. And you may think, you oh, it's not totally my fault. You know, why I'm half hearted. Some of you might agree that yes, that's me. Yeah, I am half hearted at times. Some of us are where we are today because you have been abused. Maybe you have given all your life to the ministry, to the church. But along the way, you have been abused by the very church or by the very ministry that you've come to trust. So you hold back. You're frustrated by the whole system. Some of you have come from places where you have been lied to over and over again. So you have become withdrawn, so we have allowed other people the behavior of other people to cause us to be half-hearted or maybe you just feel you're in the place but you just feel overpowered by someone else because you are comparing yourself to others you don't think you're good enough so you become half-hearted in your effort you hold back instead of you know what i'm just gonna give my all to jesus Today, God wants to liberate you. There's freedom in this message. There's hope in this message for you. He wants to set you free. God is gracious and compassionate. I love that song. God is gracious and compassionate. His love never fails. The victory you enjoy today is now possible. Through the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who is not limited to three victories. Not limited to three victories. King George could only secure three victories for his people. But the King of Kings, he has secured it all. On the cross, he said, It is finished. He has accomplished it all. There is still hope for the half hearted. But God doesn't want us to remain in that situation. He wants us to be like King David. He was probably one of the best king of Israel. A man after God's own heart. There is work to be done if we are going to see God's kingdom established here on earth. But it's going to take courage, it's going to take boldness, and it's going to take our whole heart. I want to leave us with the following point as I come to a close. When you and I wholeheartedly take what God asks us to take to face the challenge, we get to experience the living God who delivers. King George had to take a bow and arrow. What is the challenge you're facing today? It may not be a physical battle, but a spiritual battle that you are facing. For for each of us, it's going to look different. Next point is when you and I discover how to wholeheartedly work with what's in our hand, then we experience the living God who delivers. King George, he had to draw the bow and arrow. That was what was in his hand. Do you know what to do with what's in your hands? What has God placed in your hands? Sometimes it's just the word of God. It's just the picking up the Bible. That's what's in your hands. It's a weapon. The word of God is a weapon that can be used for any, any obstacles. And that was what Jesus used when he was being tempted, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. The scripture says, and he came out the victor. When you and I are wholeheartedly willing to join hands with those that God has placed in our lives, then we experience the living God who delivers. Elisha had to place his hands on the king's hand. I want to ask you, Who? are you joining hands with? Are you on your own or are you battling on your own? God is with us. When you and I wholeheartedly seek God's direction for the challenge that you face, we get to experience a living God who delivers. The king had to open the window eastward. Are you intentionally seeking God's direction? When you and I wholeheartedly take action, then we get to experience a living God who delivers. King George, he had to shoot. He had to take action. What is God asking you to do where he has placed you? God has placed all of us in this place at this time, in this season, for a particular reason. When you and I follow God's way, it will ultimately Result in victory. Don't run the race without your shoes. Amen. In Ephesians 6 verse 14. I'll leave that with you. Paul tells us to stand therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand. And with the shoes. That's on your feet. Having put on the readiness. Of readiness given by the gospel. Of peace. When you and I experience some measure of victory in our life, we cannot become complacent. King Josh he thought he had total victory because yes, he, he has followed the instructions up to a point. But we have we cannot become complacent until we have go for full victory. <laughs> That's only we can secure full victory in Jesus Christ until Jesus, our soon-coming king, returns, we will find ourselves failing sometimes. But, just, but rest assured that when you and I fail to meet God's standard, his grace and his patience is still available. So this message is not a, a message of condemnation. It's a message of victory. It's a message of hope, that there is deliverance in Jesus Christ when we put our hope and our trust and our confidence in him. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter where you're from. Or what has happened to you or your history. Where you've been. God is still faithful. God is still faithful. He will not forget his own. In the end, when I follow God's way wholeheartedly. I get to experience the living God who delivers. I'm going to ask Pete and Linda to come back. Thank you.